Glad you're here. I thank God for you. You would think that after being here for 40 years and preaching for you, that this would get easier. Oh, man, but I get brain freeze. Have you ever gotten brain freeze? Like just everything you know goes out of your head. Um, it reminds me, the first time I went skydiving, um, you know, we were at 15,000 feet. The plane was going 200 miles an hour. And uh, I was in the doorway and you, you go one, two, three, and you jump out. And I'd been trained for eight hours that day on how not to kill myself. But, um, but anyway, I, as I go down, as I'm falling, I got a couple of guys falling beside me, but I just, I can't remember anything other than I'm gonna die. And true, I just nothing. And so they would poke me and remind me, check your altimeter. And, and finally, it was time to pull the ripcord. And so um, I couldn't find it. I'm beating all over myself. And they finally, one guy takes my hand, puts it on it. And you're not supposed to let it go because you might kill somebody. But anyway, I, I pulled it, let it go. It's probably still in space. Um, I felt so bad that I did it again. I went back and jumped out of another airplane. That's how crazy I am. But that's what this feels like up here sometimes. So I'm gonna ask that you pray with me right now because I believe God has a word for you. Um, maybe a challenging word, but I wanna share with you what he's given to me. So would you pray with me so that God helps me? Our Father, I'm being surrounded now by friends and church family. Maybe there's folks here. And I guess I know there's folks here who've never met me that are here for the first time. Um, but would you receive our prayers right now? Would you help me? Let your Holy Spirit settle on me. Holy Spirit, please stay with me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, speak through me and give God glory. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now I'm gonna make everybody feel a little, little bit awkward by the question I ask at church. But here's the question. Have you ever been called a damn fool? How'd it make you feel? Did, did you get mad? I mean, how dare they? Or, or did you feel sad because you knew they were on target? They, they were right. How would it make you feel if it was God who called you a damned fool? I mean, what would a person have to do? What would a person have to say? What would a person have to be thinking for God to call them a damned fool? We don't have to guess because Jesus tells a very profound and insightful story of the damned fool. And now before I give you his story, it's found in the middle of the 12th chapter of Luke, Luke's book on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I wanna have you get this story in its context, so let me take you to the very beginning, the first sentence in chapter 12 of Luke. It reads like this. When a crowd of many thousands, can you imagine? This is like a rock concert. And Jesus is the center of attention. When a crowd of many thousands had gathered, Jesus began to speak. It's an opportunity to declare the love of God and how to be on the receiving end of the love of God and what could possibly ever put you out of the receiving end of God's love. But with this great audience, he does some heavy duty teaching. I'm telling you, check it out. Jesus preaches this way. Dear friends, 
hey, don't be afraid of those who want to murder you. And there were those in the crowd who wanted to murder Jesus that day. They, they were there, they had spies there, they were after Jesus, they wanted his life. Don't be afraid of those who want to murder you. They can only kill the body. They have no power over your souls. Save your fear. Hey, if you're gonna be afraid, save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. And as the listeners grappled with what Jesus did say, don't be afraid of people who are gonna murder you. All they can do is hurt your body, not your soul. Only God holds your life and your soul in his hands. Jesus draws a line in the sand, a line of challenge with these words. He says, I assure you of this, I will publicly honor you in the presence of God's angels if you publicly acknowledge me here on earth as your friend. Now hold that text there a second because that's something that I remind every candidate who comes forward to be baptized. When we're in the water together, before I put them under and raise them up, I remind them, oh my gosh, you guys, God all of his angels, they're going to hear your name shouted out full-throated by Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to shout your name because you're going public with your love for him. You're going public uh, with your surrender to him. You're going public that Jesus is your friend. Amen. I assure you, I, Jesus says, you can take this to the bank. I will publicly honor you in the presence of God's angels if you publicly acknowledge me here on earth as your friend. But, I will deny before the angels those who deny me here on earth. And so it's like, man, these guys are getting one, two punches of wisdom from Jesus and a bit staggered mentally and spiritually under the blows. But before Jesus could go on with his teaching, without warning, unexpectedly, he is rudely, abruptly interrupted by a very demanding man. The man stands up and shouts at Jesus, teacher, order my brother. And I don't know if his brother was there. Was he pointing at his brother? Order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Everyone holds their breath. What the heck? Security gonna come and grab this guy and haul him away? In my imagination, I see Jesus walking right toward this guy. And when their eyes lock, here's what Jesus says. He says to the guy, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things? Now, I don't know if the guy kicks the dirt or sits back down or stomps off angry. What we do know is that Jesus, scanning that crowd, lifts his voice and shouts out this message. Jesus says this, be careful, be careful, be careful to guard yourselves from every kind of greed. Oh my gosh, there must be all kinds of greed that comes after our hearts, that wants to infiltrate our minds. Guard yourselves against every kind of greed. Life is not about having a lot of material possessions. Life is not about, what is life about? Jake just said it. Life is about loving God 
unloving people. And we can get that mixed up. That's why Jesus issued the warning. Hey, guard yourselves. Guard yourselves about every kind of greed. It's greed is sneaky. Greed is subtle. It creeps into your mind. You don't even know it. And you're living, you're thinking, you're speaking as a greedy person. Jesus is saying, greed is loving things and using people, manipulating people, controlling people to your own ends. Life, not about an abundance of material possessions. Life is about loving God and loving people. When you do that, God will take care of the material possessions. Scripture says, hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is warning them and us right now that greed is a thief. It will steal your joy. It will steal your hope. It will steal your love for sure because you'll be more focused. Your behavior will center around acquiring and accumulating as opposed to loving. Loving God and loving people. Greed will steal your love. Greed will steal your joy. And the theft occurs without us really knowing. I mean, we know that the joy isn't there, but we believe lies. You see, greed is not just a thief. Greed is a liar because it comes from Satan. Jesus, Satan is the father of lies. He's lied from the beginning. And so he gives us lies and we believe them about greed. Here's greedy lie number one that we believe, that more things will make you more happy. I gotta have the next iPhone, gotta have the next iPad. But here's what the word of God says. Boop. Oh, there's no word of God. (laughs) Here's greedy lie number two. Oh, was that the word of God? Greedy lie number two. More things, I can't tell because I can't see. Greedy line number two, more things will make me more important. So I gotta have the better car. Gotta have the better house. Gotta have the better clothes. At least better than those guys. Greedy lie number three, more things acquired and accumulated will make me more secure. I feel good as long as I got the goods. But here's what the Bible says. He who loves money will never have enough. You see, here's the foolishness. Here's what the fool thinks. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. So, all this has unfolded and then Jesus tells the story and here's the story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. Jesus opens the story by introducing the main character. He is rich and his farm is extremely successful. Now, that first sentence, that opening line of the story in no way indicates that it is a bad thing to be rich or wrong to be successful. In fact, if you read the Bible, 
You'll find that character after character after character, person after person who had a heart for God was rich and successful. And maybe there is some connection between having a heart for God and as a byproduct of that, wealth and success come your way. Now, I'm not saying that's why you have a heart of God. I've memorized Psalm 20 and verse four says, may the Lord give you the desire of your heart. Well, the desire of my heart is not for wealth or success. The desire of my heart is for God. I want him that he will make all your plans succeed. What's my plans? It's my plans to have him have a greater place in my life. That's what we desire. That's the, but, but there's nothing wrong with being rich. I had a friend, we were sitting out in the church parking lot. When I first met him, all we had on this campus was our chapel way, way over there. And uh, he would come uh, to church. He was a young guy, single guy. And he would come every weekend driving a spanking new, shiny Chevy Corvette. But when I'm out in the parking lot with him, years have gone by, now he's married, has four children, and we're sitting in a brand new, shiny uh, Cadillac Escalade. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I drive beaters. Anyway, he asked me a serious question. I, I was kind of taken aback by it. We were sitting there in this big vehicle, and he said, David, do you think it's a sin for me to have a vehicle like this? I said, um, do you give the first 10% of your income to the Lord out of every pay period? He, yes, you know I do. I, I did know that he did. I said, do you, do you give generously when there's an opportunity to help someone need, like through a love offering? Yes, you know I do. I said, then, I called him by name. I said, then friend, um, if you do what God says for you to do with the first part of your income, you can do whatever you want. It's not a sin to have this vehicle. You can do whatever you want with the rest of your money. It's not a sin to be rich. It's what we think about riches. It's not a sin to be successful. It's what we say, what comes out of our mouth about success. Here's what the Bible says. Never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength, my own energy. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to be successful. Give God the glory. So we look around this property and we don't just have a chapel or our family life center. Now we're all sitting in this room. It's what God has done. Not Dave Clark. I walk through this building across our campus and I just remind myself, you had nothing to do with this. You just got a front row seat for what God has done. It's the same for each of us. We give God glory. And as we give God glory, he makes all our plans succeed. In fact, when our plan is our highest desire to be in right relationship with God. Well, this guy in the story, this rich guy, this successful guy, he starts thinking all the wrong thoughts. Here's what he thought. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store all my crops. He had a harvest. And he says, I have nowhere to accumulate all that 
all the wealth that I have, giving no thought to God. You have a harvest. You, you get paid. Uh, in, income comes into your life. Here at church, we get paid weekly. I'm on Social Security. I get that uh, monthly. Um, you have your harvest. However it comes into your life, you have your harvest. And when your harvest comes in, is God your first thought? Or, or do you think you get that paycheck and you think, okay, this much of this for bills. Oh, and this much of this for saving. And this much of this just to have fun. But no thought of God. I gotta warn you. A greedy fool a greedy fool thinks about himself with no thought of God. You know this guy, if he had stopped thinking about himself and talked to God, Lord, you've given me all this. Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've given? In fact, I pray that prayer. I'll show you the prayer that I pray that you can pray. It's a simple prayer. I wish this guy, he, he would have saved his soul had he prayed this prayer. Check it out. Just pray this way. Dear God, all that I have has come from you. That's what the Bible says. What do you want me to do with all you have provided for me? But instead of thinking about God, instead of talking to God, he starts talking to himself and he says all the wrong things. Check it out. Then he said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build bigger ones where I can store all my grain and my goods. And I can say to my soul, now notice this story is all centered around the soul. Remember at the very first of the uh, lesson to the big crowd, don't be afraid of people who murder the body. If you're gonna be afraid, be afraid of God who has in his hands your life and your soul. So in the story, Jesus has this guy talking to him, his soul. Soul, you have plenty of good things stored up there for years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and have a good time. Is there anything wrong with relaxing? I have a couch with my name on it for a nap this afternoon. Is there anything wrong with relaxing? No. Is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? Mass quantities. No, I am so grateful. I found out recently that two of my grandsons love spam. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. It's genetic. I'm passing it on. It skipped Jake. It skipped a generation. But David said, I like spam. It has a beefy flavor. <laughs> Nothing wrong with eating and drinking. Lots of spam. Nothing wrong with having a good time. It's when our thoughts, I counted eight personal pronouns in that one statement. I, 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 my, 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 my. You know, the truth is I've learned more about God from this story Jesus is telling then I learned about the main character. I may not I see that he's thinking wrong thoughts. I hear that he's talking to himself, saying the wrong thing. I see that my, God isn't even in his concern, in his concern. And the prayer, talking to God, is not even on his radar. But here's what I learned about God. God sees what's going on in our lives. He saw, God sees in this story, this guy's life. 
God sees what's going on in your life right now, whatever it is. Whatever it is, God sees everything going on in your life right now. In fact, one of the good ways to trust, reasons to trust God, he sees what's coming in your life. He can help you. He can protect you. He can provide for the struggles. So it's good to trust, because God knows everything going on in your life. And God knows your thoughts. He knows what's going on in your head about what's going on in your life. And he hears your words. We see this all from the story that God knows what's going on in this guy's life. It's really a test. He knows what he's thinking. He hears the man's words, and here's the deal, and God speaks. And what God says goes. What God says, that's what's gonna happen. Here's the story as Jesus goes on. Just then, as always happens in everybody's life, You may not believe in God, but he's gonna show up. Man, you believe in God, you trust God, he shows up with joy, he shows up with help, he shows up with support, he shows up with peace, he shows up with strength, he shows up with wisdom, but God always shows up. And just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And this is where he gets damned. Your soul is required of you. Give it back. You've lost your soul. Now, who will get all these things you have kept for yourself? End of story. It's not a happy ending, but Jesus tags a moral to the end of the story. Not just for his listeners then, the thousands who gathered around him, but for you and I. Because he says, anyone, and anyone is me, and anyone is you. Here's the moral of the story. This is what happens to anyone who hoards things for himself and is not rich where God is concerned. Now, I know that there's not a hoarder in the room, or you'd be on TV. But we all have stuff. We all have lots of stuff. We all have too much stuff. I have too much stuff. My mom, when I was down there after my dad's death, um, she wanted to go through my dad's clothes. And I was happy, my Debbie, we were happy to help her because I knew that that's a hard thing. But she wanted me to take the clothes and wear them. This is my dad's. I'm not gonna show you my underwear. (laughs) But sadly, they are all in a, I'm gonna say something that's gross about me. They are all in what we call our extra room. Why the heck would anybody have an extra room? So that when your mom gives you all your dad's clothes, because you don't have room in your closets. What do we say? We got to go through our closets and get rid of a bunch of stuff and give a bunch of stuff to Goodwill and throw a bunch of stuff away because I don't wear large anymore. I wear extra large because I am extra large. It's all the spam. (laughs) So we're not hoarders, but we love, we have, we accumulate our stuff. So how with our stuff Are we rich where God is concerned? That's the important thing. It's not really how much you have. It's how rich you are toward God. Well, I'm gonna give you four 
antidotes to the cancer of greed. You don't even know that's infected your mind. You don't even know that it's taken over your heart because it's so sneaky, so subtle. You've believed the lies. But I'm gonna give you the antidotes. They are four R words. Number one, R, resist complaining and comparing. Resist complaining about what you don't have and stop comparing yourself to others that you think have more or better. It's a sickness. It's toxic. It's diseased. Um, You've gotten the picture, those of you who don't know me, that my dad passed away about six weeks ago. And my mom has lots of friends and they've been calling and coming by. And I knew that there was one particular person that was making a call and I hoped that it would be uplifting and help my mom continue to move through her grief. My mom met my dad when she was 16. She married him when she was 17. She's 91. They've been married. The next month, it would be 74 years. But now she's never lived alone before. Now she's living alone. My dad's presence is gone from the house. And though we're glad he's in heaven, it's a hard thing. So this person is calling. I'm hoping for good news. And I asked my mom about the call. My mom said, well, I didn't get a word in edgewise. I just listened to them complain about their life the whole time. Dang it. Do you know people like that? Not only do they make, do you know the most self-damaging behavior? Complaint. Not only do you make yourself miserable, you make other people miserable. Resist complaining and comparing to others. Scripture says, it is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. That's number one, resist complaining and comparing. Number two is rejoice over what you've got. Thank God for what you've got. I mean that you have a roof over your head. My friends and family in Haiti, living in deplorable conditions, if they have a job, $2 a day. We are the richest country on the planet. Thank God for what you've got. Thank God. Here's what scripture says. Don't fall in love with money. Be satisfied with what you have. The Lord has promised that he will not leave us or forsake us. There's the value. Um, I got some money in my pocket. I don't have much because I'm married (laughs) and have grandchildren. I've got $11. Three pieces of paper. Got ink on it. What makes those pieces of paper worth anything? We value them. That's the only thing that makes a piece of paper worth it. It's just paper and ink. And what makes the $5 bill worth more than the $1 bill? It's just a difference in a figure, a five instead of a one. There's really no value here. They're just paper and ink. But because we put value on it, it has value. We value the wrong things. Here's what we can value, that God has promised he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and God meets all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We believe him, we trust him, we turn to him, we pray to him. Okay, third R. Resist complaining and comparing. Rejoice over what you have. Our number three, return the first 10% back to God. The Bible calls this the tithe. The Hebrew word for tithe means 10th. 
And I don't have time to go into all that. I'm just, I'll just tell you what the Bible says, what God says. He says the first 10% of your income belongs to him. It's holy unto him. You cannot give it back to him. You can only bring it to him because it's already his. So you bring it to him. The first 10% out of every pay period belongs to the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say that if you don't bring it to me, you're robbing me. It's how you fight greed. You trust God. You trust that if you give God what belongs to him anyway, that he will bless you beyond imagination. In fact, the same text where God says, you're robbing me, he says, here's how you can correct that with your behavior. God says this. He says, I am the Lord, all powerful. And I'll remind God. I'll say, God, you made the heaven, the earth, the sky, the sea, all that's in them. Nothing is too difficult for you. My problems, my bills, my struggles are not too difficult for you. You are the Lord. You are all knowing. You are all powerful. You know what I need. And you can address it by your power. Psalm 120, excuse me, Psalm 20 says, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. That's what he's saying here. I am the Lord all powerful and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the whole, the entire 10% into my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and pour and flood you with blessing after blessing after blessing. That's a promise of God. Deb and I have lived that for the 42 years that we've been serving you as pastor. We, when we came here, uh, the church paid us $17,000 a year. But out of that 17,000, God got the first 10%. He's always taken care of us. He's always provided for us. We have never won the lottery or I'd been on TV. But God is good. And God is true to his word. Here's the fourth R in defeating greed in your heart and mind. Refocus on the ultimate value of Jesus. It's not getting more of this stuff. It's getting more Jesus. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, the king. Seek ye first the king and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Because he's the foundation of your life. This is a shaky foundation for any life, but Jesus is a living foundation. Look at the word of God. Come to Jesus, the living stone, the living foundation on which you can build your life, safe, strong, secure. He was rejected by people as worthless. They thought he was just a piece of meat that they could spike to a cruel cross, but he bled out for the payment of our sins. He was on the cross in our place as our substitute to get the punishment we deserve for all our greed. He took it on himself. We get forgiven. He was rejected. We get accepted. Come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by people as worthless, but chosen by God as valuable. Chosen by God to be risen from the dead and willing to put his resurrection life in us in every aspect of that resurrection life, in every aspect of our lives. He is good. He can be trusted. He is faithful and true. But we gotta change our minds. We, we got to change the way we act. Peter says we got to turn to God. That's the, the last text. Peter says, turn to God. 
Change the way you think and act. Each of you must be baptized. Why? So you get your sins forgiven. So you get all clean, past, present, and future. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. Then you will receive this Holy Spirit as a gift. And inside you, the Spirit of the living God, he keeps pushing out, healing the diseased heart of the greed. Keeps pushing the greed out and filling you with love and joy and peace and gratitude. If complaining, if complaint is the most self-defeating, self-damaging of behavior, gratitude is the most self-building, self-strengthening. Gratitude is the greatest thing you can do for yourself. And I'd like to thank Jesus right now. I'd like to pray his goodness over your life. If you'd stand with me. As we do um, every weekend, um, at the end of my prayer, I'm going to invite you to the front. Um, maybe you need to say, and I'm sorry to God um, for the way you've been having your, handling your harvest, your pay periods, and what he has given. Uh, maybe you need to do an I'm sorry about complaint. Um, maybe you need to be baptized Maybe you need to give the Holy Spirit fuller reign in your heart. Um, so we're, we're up here to pray with you over any issue that you're struggling with. But first, let me pray corporately over the whole audience. Would you bow with me, please? Oh, Lord God, who is always and only good, would you let your goodness rain down on this gathered people? We breathe in your goodness, Lord. We, we, are, we are sorry, Lord, when materialism becomes an idol in our hearts. We want you, Lord. You are the desire of our heart. Lord Jesus, would you be moving through this place, calling people to be baptized, calling people. You, Jesus, right now, I know what you want to do more than anything is start shouting out names before God the Father and all the angels, people who are going to go public that you're their friend and they love you. Holy Spirit, encourage that step of faith to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.